Welcome back, folks. Uh, if you weren't able to tune in uh, last episode, then perhaps worthwhile doing that. But uh, this time, we've uh, decided to kind of continue that conversation about love. Um, and so I'm just going to hand and flick straight across to Peter because uh, he had a few extra thoughts which he could throw into the mix. I love that topic that we looked at last time, to love or to tolerate. And while we made allowances for tolerance, if we're going to be tolerating over a long period of time, that means that we are recognising over a long period of time the difference and we're focusing on the difference rather than focusing on what binds us together. And this isn't a unique problem. It's very interesting. Many of you may not be aware, but Joppo and I, thanks to Craig Kirkby, have in our repertoire seminars which we lead on living together in small kingdom communities, simple church or house church or organic church workshops. And it surprised me when we first looked at those quite a number of years ago that there was one whole session devoted to conflict resolution. And I must say, Joppo, that you uh, you lead that one particularly well when we do it. Can, can you remember anything about it? <laughs> well, you know, pr probably the standout point is it's not... Um, if it will happen in our relationships, but it's when it will happen. So, you know, it's better to work out beforehand, like anything, uh, how we can do, if you like, preventative maintenance. Um, so that's that's probably the standout point for me. We're not thinking in some sort of um, utopia that we're going to be fine because we're okay now. T time will bring about things that cause us to go, hang on a minute, I don't like that. Now, Joppo, in my previous life as a church pastor, I don't... I can't remember how many weddings I've carried out. It's, it's into the hundreds. But I do know this. You get rosy-eyed couple sitting there before you doing some kind of marriage preparation and you bring up the subject of conflict resolution and they just give you this blank look. <laughs> That's because not going to us. it's not going to happen to us, yeah. you know. The other people, oh, we've been to the Stikey House. We know it happens there. <laughs> Don't um, talk out of your own experience. Yeah, that's right. But 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 that won't happen to us. But it, it, it sure does. And so, I know that this very topic of conflict is striking a chord right now in those of you who are listening, because you're no longer starry-eyed. And so, this can talk to us as couples. It can talk to us as parents with children. Mostly it speaks to us in our interpersonal relationships and kingdom communities. And Joppo, in one of the previous sessions that we recorded, you highlighted Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul starts off yeah. by, by asking us, or he, he actually begs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, you know, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called, yeah. with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And then he says this, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Yeah, That's an interesting verse because it tells us two things about unity. Unity is both a gift, a gift because it's the unity of the Spirit, Yeah, and it's a task. Yeah, keep yourselves. Yeah. yeah, make every effort. So we can't bring about the unity of the Spirit because it's the unity of the Spirit. So it's a gift. The yeah. Holy Spirit creates it. Yeah, But we can usher it in because he says to make every effort. Then it's very interesting. He talks about how we are to work in a kingdom family in chapter four. And so he says, you know, God gave gifts to his church. And those gifts are that some should be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to, to equip the saints so that we may all grow up into maturity in Christ. In other words, God has called some people in the body to be 
mothers and fathers, because we're a family, to be mothers and fathers who lead us to maturity. Why? Because we know that in a family, uh, stuff happens. Yeah. And then the rest of chapter 4 actually highlights some of the stuff that happens. So in chapter 4, he talks about that we shouldn't live uh, with futility of minds, darkened in understanding, alienated from the life of God because of ignorance and hardness of heart, losing sensitivity, abandoning ourselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice impurity. That's not how you learned Christ. Now, Joppo, how did Amon learn to walk? Wow, wow, that's a, that's a big question, Peter. I mean, you know, he's he's witnessing other people getting around on exactly. four pegs. Yeah. Exactly. So how do people in our kingdom family learn Christ? Yeah. By witnessing their mums and dads. Yeah. So I loved at our last gathering that you had up uh, a number of teenagers who were sharing their experience of their journey with Christ. They are learning Christ in our kingdom families through their mother and father through people like you and Taya and Adrian and Robin, they are learning Christ. So we, we learn to become upwardly mobile people, walkers, yeah. by watching people walk and thinking, this, this business of, of crawling around on our stomach and our knees sucks. I'm, I'm going to do what they do and walk. So we learn Christ by watching other people. And unity, unity is maintained through mums and dads who also then come and guard us against those negative characteristics that Paul just mentioned. Then he goes on to mention four or five things. In verse 25 of Ephesians 4, he says, put away falsehood and speak the truth in love. So, firstly, speak the truth in love. Then he says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. So how, how, do, we bring, how do we bring disunity into the body? Well, when we fail to speak the truth in love. Uh-huh. And fail to, failing <clears throat> to speak the truth in love isn't just telling lies. If I say, Joppo, you idiot, then I actually haven't spoken the truth in love. Yeah. You may be a person who occasionally does idiotic things. But, hypo- this is hypothetical, yeah? Yeah, hypothetical. Okay. Yeah, but I've just actually defined you as an idiot. Yeah. And that's not your real identity. Your real identity is son of God. Yeah. A son, not the son of God, but a son of God. Your real identity is beloved. Your real identity is precious. Your real identity is capable. Yeah. So if your real identity is capable, and I've just called you an idiot, I haven't spoken the truth in love. Yeah. So that brings division to the body. Secondly, he says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and do not make room for the devil. So when I let my anger simmer on low uh, heat for a long period of time, I'm actually giving the devil a chance to come between you and me yeah. through residual anger. Yeah. Uh, thirdly, he goes on to say in verse 28, thieves must give up stealing, rather let them labour and work honestly with their hands so as to have something to share with the needy. So thirdly, when we rob the body, not by stealing coins from someone else's wallet, but by not contributing with the gifts and competencies that we have, we're actually, we're actually bringing disunity because we're allowing part of the body to carry the weight that all of us. So in our kingdom families, when we're always leaving it to someone else to pray, when we're always leaving it for someone else to cook, when we're always leaving it for someone else to financially contribute, when we're always leaving it for someone else to serve, we're actually stealing from the body. Mm-hmm. And that brings disunity. So... Firstly, don't uh, speak the truth in love. Secondly, 
Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Thirdly, give up robbing the body. Fourthly, he says in verse 29, let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And I've been uh, in my daily practice just in the last uh, week or two, Craig, uh, three or four days a week I've been reading through or listening to the Ransomed Heart daily prayer, the extended version. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's a very... So there's an app called Ransomed Heart, and on the Ransomed Heart there are prayers, and there's there's any... Choose any one of them. But one of the things I've noticed there is when he is protecting... when, When we are praying for protection against the schemes of the enemy, one of the things he uh, he has us take inventory over is negative words and curses that have been thought by or spoken out of the mouth by others towards us. What that highlighted to me is that when I think negatively and speak negatively about other people, I'm actually bringing a curse over their life. Mm-hmm. because I'm speaking corruption and negativity into their life rather than blessing. And mm. so this is more than just not calling someone idiot. This is actually using our words to bring life. So our words can either tear down or build yeah. up. Yeah. And then the, the next one is verse 31. He says, Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted." Forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. So speak the truth in love. Let go of your anger. Contribute fully to the body. Use your words for good, not bad. And practice regularly forgiveness. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I forgive Craig for such and such offence. Whenever an offence comes to mind, deal with it with forgiveness. Now... Joppo, here's why this is so important, because there was a verse that I missed out, and that's verse 30 in the middle. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. What I believe is being said here is that when we bring disunity to the body by speaking ill, not speaking the truth, not contributing to the body, harbouring, anger and simmering on anger, harboring bitterness and unforgiveness. We're actually grieving the Holy Spirit. We're making the Holy Spirit bad, sad. We're making him sad because his body is a family and he wants an integrated, knitted together family. And by our practice, we're actually destroying the unity of the body. That's how Paul starts in chapter four. And that makes that makes the Holy Spirit sad. Mm. Yeah. You know what I'm impressed about the most, Peter, that, you know, when I read... Um Paul on so many occasions and you know flicking in these two passages that we've been looking at here even Colossians uh, chapter 3 I think he says above all clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful and to go back before you were quoting um, Ephesians chapter 4 and, and so for me what what really impresses me is that that um, there, there is a there is a goal in mind. Uh, the goal is not the right word, but there is a, a, a high value on the unity of the body. And when you and when you look at uh, I don't know, just what comes to mind is Revelation chapter nineteen, verse something or other. Um, you know, 
prophecy, the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness of Christ. So when we're talking about living a life that is being a sent one into the world, to give a witness of Christ is to give a witness of unity and to making allowance and to extending forgiveness and to doing all these things that you've been sharing about from Ephesians chapter 4. But I often don't think about a chief value that we have is unity and so it's stripping it right back changes the way I think about other people changes the way I speak about other people uh, and why I would do that is by and large a selfish thing if it's not with my new nature of Christ yeah that's brilliant see that's why straight after this in chapter 5 verse 1 he says therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love yeah. as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God so what a, what a if, high calling. Well, wow. if we're imitators of God, we know that there's unity between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're, they're bending yeah. over backwards to serve each other and to promote each other. And so when... And they probably actually can bend over backwards. Well, exactly. <laughs> so out, out of the fullness of uh, life in us, when we bend over backwards to serve each other and to bless each other, to speak life into each other, to bring words that build up, not tear down, yeah. when we let the sun go down in our anger, when we practice forgiveness when we are full of generosity and contribute to the, to the body, we're actually imitating God. We're living a life in love. And, and the offering that we are leaving is, is a sweet-smelling perfume. Yeah. It, it's a fragrance of Christ. And so when people come into our midst, they actually smell Jesus. People, people know when, yeah. When, yeah. when there's a good smell. Yeah. And they smell Jesus amongst us because of the, the love, not tolerance, but because of the yeah. love that we have for one another. I've got to say, Peter, as our time draws to a close, that uh, you know, I, I don't know whether other people have been inspired to live a life worthy of the calling we have, but certainly I have. So I appreciate that, Peter, and uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll uh, see you next time.